Hello and hey there. Welcome to the Top 5 Podcast, a show where we rank and discuss any list you can imagine. Best childhood trend, top gaming console, best blenders, nothing is off limits. Everyone is wrong, even when they think they are right. I'm your host, Tom Lockhart, and with me as always is... Eric Shane. Hey, it's Ami. How you doing, bud? Uh, I'm doing okay, I guess. Uh, okay, you know, last guess. week how, how last week I told you that I had a job interview and I th- thought I killed it. Yeah, you were very confident. It turns out I did kill it. I rocked that thing, and <laughs> wow. they called me up and they offered me the job. And the lady was like going over like all the things, and then when she came to pay, she said a number that was about four and a half dollars less an hour than I make now. Ooh. And then she kept talking, and I was like, oh, I don't want to interrupt her, but I don't want to hear any of this because I'm not going to accept this job at this rate. And I told her that when she stopped talking, and then she said she'd get back to me, see if they could up it. And I was like, okay, I don't, I don't see you jumping up four and a half dollars worth, but let's see. And they have not called me back. Hmm. <laughs> okay. That's so. something. Yeah. I mean, for, that's a big chunk of change, man. Uh-huh. It, it's That's- about $1,300 a month less than what I asked for in my application, which makes me think, why'd you even interview me? Like, yeah. you're going to lowball by that much. <laughs> That's a shame. That's a shame. <sighs> well, I hope they get back to you, and I hope that they're, uh, they recognize that you're worth what you're asking for. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Man, that's that's rough. Oh well, I wonder if I wonder if uh, wonder if our other partner knows anything about the rough life. <laughs> yeah, the thug life. When I was in prison, <laughs> worst thing about prison was the, the dementors. They'd come around everywhere, <laughs> flying and shit. What's the name uh, of that gentleman that just joined us? You, my friend, would be the bell of the ball. This is Zach Rancourt coming in live, coming in hot, hot and ready to go. Hot because I got a space heater right here warming me up. It's getting in my oh. eyes and it's all hot. That sounds like hell. Uh, no, it's not hell. It's not hell comes to Frogtown because we're not talking about that fucking movie ever, Tom, <laughs> ever. <laughs> hell does not come to Frogtown. Frogtown is dead. Uh, Here, here's the thing. I wasn't even going to bring it up. I wasn't going to say anything about it. You know, you you know what? Just, uh. at, at the top, we always say we didn't discuss our lists. But in this particular instance, Zach made it very <laughs> clear. Tom, why don't you kick this off so we could just get to yelling at each other? Because this is not this is going to be controversial. This is going to cause problems. Well, there are good movies like Hell Comes to Frogtown. There's also bad movies like Hell Comes to Frogtown. <laughs> and then there are movies that are so rotten that the Internet tells us we should ash- absolutely despise it. But you know what? Here at Top 5 Podcasts, we don't listen to the rules or read books. In fact, we're going to throw out the rule books right out the damn window. So here are our top five rotten movies that are actually really great. To enhance discussion, we didn't share our lists with each other, and by no means are we experts or historians in said category. We are just a few dudes who like to talk about nonsense. And I think I'll start us off with, um, I loved this movie in my teens. I haven't actually watched it in a while. I was going to watch it last night, but instead I watched... Uh, Parks and Rec a couple more times, you know, a couple episodes, just haven't seen that 30 times or so. But <laughs> my first movie is Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Nice. Which is a great movie that really is about like nothing really. It's just a drug induced hysteria. And I used to love it in my teens even though I've only smoked pot once and had no other drug use in my life, for some reason, I just loved seeing Johnny Depp. This is my first introduction to Hunter S. Thompson. I didn't even know who he was before this movie, and I still have not read any of his work. I've, I've watched the documentary about him that has uh, Johnny Depp in it as like the narrator, and he's a real interesting guy. And he's led... I'd say a, a slightly more interesting life than I have. <laughs> slightly? <laughs> Just a little, you know, he's done a couple things I haven't like, you know, mescaline, you know, that thing. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I I just I love the movie. It only has a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. So that's half and half, but an 89% from from actual people, not critics. So people do love the movie. Okay. For some reason critics don't. What yeah. are your guys' feelings on Fear I, and Loathing? I I for I just want to jump in immediately cuz I know Zach Zach's the the real 
you know, we say that we're not experts on this, but Zach is to me, he's, 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 he's pretty close to an expert. I think he's an expert. I go to Zach with, I go to Zach with my movie questions. Honestly, I really do. Um, but fear and loathing Las Vegas has a special place in my heart because Hunter S Thompson is such a interesting, one of the most interesting people ever. And that movie has so many quotable lines you can't stop here. This is bat country or <laughs> <laughs> suddenly we're in a reptile zoo. Somebody was feeding booze to these goddamn animals. <laughs> God damn it, man. Tell me about the fucking golf shoes. Like just great. You have no, if you haven't seen the movie, you have no idea. I made Mandy watch the movie. She's never really forgiven me for it. <laughs> she I feel not... like if, if I made Whitney do that, she would also never forgive me. You have to be a certain I mean, you have to, you got to be a certain kind of way to enjoy a movie like that. But Hunter S. Thompson was such a legendary figure. You've, uh, have you, have you, has it ever made the right, have you ever seen what his daily routine was as chronicled by a biographer? Did you ever read that? No, but I got a a glimpse of, of his daily life in the documentary about him where it's just like. Very quick. Yeah. 3 3 p.m. Rise. (laughs) 305, he's drinking scotch, smoking cigarettes. 345, a bump of cocaine. 350, <laughs> more scotch, more cigarettes. 405, a cup of coffee. 10 minutes later, some coke. After that, a glass of orange juice and a smoke. After that, some cocaine, then some more cocaine, then some more cocaine, then some coffee, then some cigarettes, then some scotch, then more coke. Then he starts smoking weed about 6 o'clock. 7 o'clock, he goes to the tavern for a big old, you know, big old breakfast. Then he starts snorting cocaine seriously at nine drops an acid at 10 does chartreuse at 11 does more cocaine smoke more weed does more coke at midnight now he's ready to write and from 1205 midnight to six in the morning he is drink he is drinking chartreuse snorting coke smoking grass drinking scotch drinking coffee drinking heineken smoking clove cigarettes eating a grapefruit smoking more cigarettes orange juice gin and continuous pornographic movies on a loop for just six hours. And that's his, that's what he does while he's writing. Wow. And then, he, and, then and then he, he gets in a hot tub, champagne, eats a dove bar, <laughs> have some fettuccine Alfredo, <laughs> do some halcyon, knocks himself out and sleeps for like six hours. And then he's back up and at it. Like that was his daily routine. Just if that's true, that's nuts. I mean, the guy was bonkers crazy. So fear and loathing in Las Vegas, uh, it's a special kind of movie for a special sort of person. I think you see, I know he has a sense of humor just because of that dove bar that came in there. <laughs> it's oh, yeah. just like, that's just, uh, that's just comedy right there. It's just, and has a dove bar. Yeah. Has a dove Chocol- bar. Chocoholic. Zach, did you, you, did you see fear and loathing in Las Vegas? Yeah. I saw it in college. Uh, my old roommate, Mark was a giant, um, uh, well, He's a giant fan of the, of the film. It's Terry Gilliam who directed it. Uh, I like Terry Gilliam. He does a lot of weird movies. I was not a fan of this film. I didn't really get it. So in this setting, what were the what was the score, Tom, for the Rotten Tomato score? Fifty uh, percent. Okay, right so right, right down the middle. Um, incredibly divisive. I get why people like it. I understand it. Uh, Benicio del Toro is great in it. Tobey Maguire has a little cameo in it too, which is weird. He's like a blonde yeah. boy. <laughs> it's um, it's such an interesting film, and uh, it would be worth a rewatch. But I don't really need to see it again. So uh, I don't know. I, I I think I side with the the Rotten Tomatoes on this one. <laughs> that's 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 okay. I, I suppose that's fair enough. Yeah. How much mescaline <laughs> did you take, Tom? <laughs> Uh, just, you know, a gallon or so. I don't even know the quantities of mescaline. (laughs) Don't you like, uh, don't you put it on a rag and like smell it? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I think that's what you do with mescaline. Hmm, Maybe. But again, (laughs) I smoked weed once and and I was, I was crazy. (laughs) It's awesome how we both like at various points of our lives. I joked last time about how you and I, at certain points, we're almost like the same person. We're very <laughs> different people, but sometimes we're super, super the same guy. <laughs> we both look like crazy stoner dudes, and we're so not. We're no, just, not even we, close. We look like it, but we're not. So, are we oh, ready for... Me, especially me in high school. Ugh, oh, I know. Shoulder length <laughs> hair and my eight-inch goatee. <laughs> yeah. Are we ready um, for my number one? I think yeah. we're ready for yours. Okay. My number one is a movie called Almost Heroes from 1998. Almost Heroes has a tomato meter of 8% and an audience score of 64%. So this is a difference of 56%, mind you. Uh, This is a historical tale. It's a farcical Westward Ho sort of tale. Uh, 
Chris Farley in his last credited movie joins with Matthew Perry of friends that Matthew Perry as they race Lewis and Clark to the Pacific ocean. Um, if it sounds bad, it because it is, but it's still enjoyable. It's meant to be a farce. I don't understand why the tomato meter was so low. Maybe it's because they just sort of felt like this was a movie that didn't have to be made, <laughs> but that's true of any farce. So, um, th- there's, there's people on the reviews are talking about, uh, this is like his farewell movie. It's, oh, it's such a bummer after such a great career that uh, that they would end like with this movie. It's like, what are you talking about? These are all his movies. This is, you know. Yeah, this is, that is, this is Chris Farley doing Chris Farley. And Chris Farley like... falls down a hill drunk. That's Chris. That's a Chris Farley movie. What are and you talking yells. about? Wait, what wait, the hell ta- was that are, are, all about? Are you talking about Black Sheep right now? Yeah, Cause... basically. It could have been Black Sheep. But with a coonskin cap and like leather, whatever, and set in 1804, whatever. So 1804, I think. So <laughs> I'm saying it's, it's uh, some of the, some of the reviews are just really, I don't know why they're so harsh and why it's only 8%, but it was a, in Matthew Perry, by the way, he was Chandler. It was literally Chandler <laughs> and Chris Farley. That was the movie racing <laughs> Lewis and Clark to the Pacific. Almost heroes, yeah. and both of those guys had pretty gnarly substance abuse issues uh, in in the, in the height of their careers. You know, I mean, it, yeah. it ultimately killed Chris Farley. So it's it was pretty sad what was behind the scenes, and I wonder if that had anything to do with the negative reviews. I hope it does. It didn't, but you, you just you, you never really know. Uh, I saw it. It's it's it was an okay film. Uh, I love I loved Chris Farley. I was so saddened by his death. He w- was just on the on the precipice of something incredible. And um, I mean, he'll, he'll always be remembered. You know, Tommy Boy is one of my favorite movies of all time. And it's just it's so hard to beat. So but, Tommy Boy yeah. is really great. Black mm. Sheep. Yeah. Chris Farley gone way too soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Almost Heroes is a movie I enjoyed immensely. I've seen it a few times. If If, you know, I would watch it again just because it's goofy. Uh, <laughs> I, I took one line from that movie that's been in my head locked away forever. And that's why I mention it early on when Chris Farley's character, he's the, he's the, uh, the Clark figure. He's the guy, he's the wilderness man. He's not the, you know, Lieutenant and the whatever. Anyway, he, uh, he's at this fancy party and he's very much out of place. Chris Farley. And uh, this well-to-do guys offering him a snifter of, of brandy. He'll try a drink. He's like, oh, I wouldn't want to tie one on with such fancy people. He's like, oh, I'm not talking about getting falling down drunk, man. We're just talking about a taster. So he grabs a, the bottle and he has a little sip. And then he just starts chugging it and says, get your own bottle. And he just chugs the whole damn thing <laughs> in front off, of him. I'm starving. <laughs> and he's, Whoa. anyway, uh, that get your own bottle. I'm keeping that. that that's been in my head for 20 plus years. It's going to be there forever. Almost well, wow! It's been let's see, thir- how long now? Twenty, almost twenty-five years, almost. So yeah, almost heroes. I would watch I, that movie just for Chris Farley. I mean, that's that's pretty much it. So if it was if it was on like TNT, let's say I was watching just TV, which I don't do that anymore. But if it just came on, I would watch it totally. All right. Well, I'm glad. Uh, I'm yeah. I'm, I wonder if we're gonna have any crossovers on this. Zach, what's your number one? Okay, so this is uh, one of my favorite uh, holiday films. I'm just going to be PC and say holiday films that gets a really bad rap. And I bet Tom could guess who it is. It stars one of my favorite actors of all time. He's been in uh, such masterpieces as Last Action Hero, uh, True <laughs> Lies, and Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. I picked all weird hmm. ones. I love True Lies. But uh, Jingle <laughs> All the Way. Jingle All the Way is incredible. It is about a dad who is a workaholic. His son wants the hottest toy the turbo man and uh, he waits until the last minute to get it uh, like a buffoon everyone and their mother go out on christmas eve to try to find this and he runs into sinbad of all people sinbad you know the guy who wore the jumpsuit it was usually a whole whole jumpsuit thing and he's a comedian but he um he uh, the the movie's about him trying to find that and all the crazy mishaps that that occur. And then uh, the meaning of the the movie is actually, you know, you don't need a toy. He's got the real Turbo Man, his dad at home. And that's all about family. And it has young Anakin Skywalker in it as well. (laughs) But it got a 17 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. That is really crazy because 
I, I question if people actually watch the same movie in this setting. It is a awesome uh, holiday film. I absolutely enjoy it. It's one of my favorites. I always say Dasha, Dance, Prance, Vixen, Comet, Cupid, Donna, Blitzen whenever I'm trying to think of the Rangers' names. And you need then, the accent. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm like, those are my wife's cookies. I say that a lot, too. And yeah, it's it's great. It's it's infinitely quotable. And it's Arnold, man. Who, how can you ever go wrong with yeah, Arnold? He's how incredible. How can you ever go wrong? That's interesting how we went three movies that that the critics think are really, really bad, and yet they're very, very quotable movies. I wonder if there's a correlation. <laughs> well, you know, it's all subjective and stuff like that. So that's that's one of the things. Um, I mean, we anybody can have a favorite. I always tell people I'm never going to yuck someone's yum. I'm never going to say their favorite their favorite movie sucks or their favorite book sucks because it's their favorite for a reason. And I really like Jingle All the Way for a reason. I bet I could show it to people and they'd be like, that was a trash film. And I'm like, eh, that's fine. You're a trash person, but <laughs> you're welcome to your opinion. So <laughs> I'm fine with you not liking it, but you are a trash person. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, you're garbage who. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's harsh, man. <laughs> I'd, I'd say Jingle All the Way is in my top five like Christmas movies. Just yeah, it's just such a good movie. Exactly, and it's, it's it's supposed to be a dumb movie where just things happen to to Arnold, and it's hilarious when things happen to Arnold. Especially the thing that I like most about Arnold movies, where it's not an action movie, is there's no explanation to why he is Mister Universe, like. <laughs> He is a mattress salesman in this movie and he could kill a thousand men and it just doesn't make any sense. Like just apparently he spends wrong. all of it. He, yeah. he spends all of his time at work, but somehow he also gets a lift in <laughs> like, uh, I don't spend any time at work and I don't get a lift in. <laughs> Lyle Christmas. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> my toy for my son. Yeah. Thomas, uh, what is your second choice? My second choice is probably my it, it would be probably be my second favorite Simon Pegg movie and that is Run Fat Boy Run. Hmm. It I I don't it, it only has a 46% on the Rotten Tomatoes and I can't understand why cuz it is just a good comedy about a schlub who just wants to impress his ex-wife essentially. Because she's now dating some guy who's a real jerk, played by uh, Hank Azaria, who we all know as the camera guy from Godzilla. That's the thing he's famous for. <laughs> exactly. We all yep. know. That's it. That's, well, that's, that's the thing. The young Patches oh, of, of course, the young Patches. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoy this entire movie. It's just Simon Pegg being Simon Pegg hilarious, and you get montages, and you get the adversity during the race where he he hurts his leg, and he still guts it out. And I I love underdog stories. I cry at them all the time. That's like the only type of movies that I cry out as an underdog doing something good. Like I teared up a little while watching Here Comes the Boom with Kevin James, which is it's it's not a thing I'm proud about, but it was an underdog winning at something. And I just my emotions get hit by that. And it just him hitting the wall is is the key scene when he hit actually hits a brick wall on the road while he's going and he has to break his way through to finish the race. And it ends happy for him and the dick gets ousted and it's just it's just a good movie. (laughs) Ah, yeah. Well, that I mean, that (laughs) speaks to I mean, underdog stories. That's eminently relatable, obviously. Um, That's not a movie that I've seen and it's not a movie that I would go see. It's not a movie that I particularly care about, but uh, I can understand why it would have such a low rating because it sounds like it's one of those movies that's been made a hundred times. But if it, if it spoke to you, that's what matters. This is art, okay? That's what this is. We're talking about art. It's all subjective. So it it, it has been made a hundred times, but are there British people in those other ones? So it's a lot classier. Who knows? 
<laughs> I know. I don't know. I don't know. Is yeah, Billy- I've, I've never seen it. I, I definitely know what it is, though. Um, I think it's. I, I like Simon Pegg a lot, and I, I I like the idea. But I mean, Tom, what you're saying? I mean, any idea, even if it's been done before, it's going to continue to be done. It's it's kind of hard to create original material, but what you can basically do is just copy what's already out there and then put your own spin towards it. So there's I mean, always there's always yeah. tropes out there that are going to get you know Absolutely. played with, and they're also playing to audience expectations as well. Because if they don't meet audience expectations, then their audience is going to turn on it. If the audience turns on it then people are going to turn away from it. You are, there's got to be a little bit of fan, uh, uh, fan service here. There this just has to be, you yeah. know, there has to be a payoff. Uh, otherwise there's only a few people who would, you know, movies and stories that end badly for the protagonist. There are a few out there that are really, really good, but, and that people like, but, that those are few and far between and the kind of fans that enjoy that sort of thing. You find that in like horror movies quite a bit because it sort of fits the, what they're looking at there. Um, some, you know, an ending like that where the underdog doesn't get their way or doesn't win out. There's a few of those as well, but you know, Rocky, a couple of the Rocky films where he was the underdog, he didn't win. Right. That's actually so. that's the reason why Rocky one is my favorite movie is because Rocky doesn't win at the end. And I even though I've talked about how I love underdog stories, I actually my favorite movies are where the bad guy wins or the good guy just doesn't win like the usual suspects or uh, Infinity War. I liked it more than Endgame because I liked the ending where. Jesus, Tom. They it didn't, was, they didn't t- win. Was, like, no. Tom, you're a I like that. <laughs> I like the sort of ending where it's like things don't always end up good. They just, it just doesn't like, so why should our movies? Always because end good? you know, you want to know why I don't like those. And the reason I like good endings is because the world is already fucked up as it is. And I don't need to see that reflect in, in, in real. I don't need to see the reflection of real life into my films. I want to be happy when I go to movies. I don't like watching TV shows or films where I hate the characters and they're just awful, awful people because then I feel angry and let down. I want a, a heartwarming story. And yeah, those tropes can be a little overdone. So in the sense of Rocky, it's just an all-around good movie in general. That's true, and, yeah. and it's not about boxing. The film's not about boxing. It's about this man, right? So it mm. still is an underdog story. It's a once-in-a-lifetime, once-in-a-million shot. And yeah, they get a little campier as they go on, but they really are, um, you know, a crux for for just basically what a, a dramatic action film should be and and a real pinnacle in certain senses um i, I mean we all know rocky three is the best it's because he he is at the peak of his career he gets kicked down a whole bunch of pe- pegs to the the lowest he can be basically he's afraid and then he learns how to change his style completely and boom he becomes a champ again so rocky three is the best hands down but man i i i like the idea of of a good happy ending so I disagree with the Infinity, Infinity War one. I think Endgame is way better. Nah, <laughs> I understand. I mean, I, both still great, but I, yeah. I like. I yeah. like. Yeah, I get Infinity what you're saying War. for sure. Yeah, but. <laughs> but but this is exactly what Zach just talked about. This is exactly the problem with making a story like that, Tom. Because most fans feel exactly the way Zach just talked about. Life is hard. Life is brutal. I don't necessarily need to see that. You know. No, I I can just watch the news if I want. If but I want at the that. same but at the same time. Game of Thrones was really popular and there was all kinds of setbacks there. So sure. Yeah, that's the, yeah. Of course yeah. then the a little, ending, little different so, on that yeah. one though. Yeah. <laughs> well, the ending and, sucked. And, and I'm just an optimistic person. Like people always tell me that like nothing phases me. Like if a bad thing happens, I move on. I, I don't think about a bad thing for more than a half hour. Like, like when Derek Henry, Russell Wilson, and Chris Carson, my one, two, and three, all get injured. Yeah, I definitely okay, forget okay. about I'm, that. I'm going okay. to actually jump <laughs> wait, in here. Wait, fantasy football is a different story. I, I, I am, I am the saddest person in the world when it comes to uh, fantasy. Sure. <laughs> no, not this year. I am, but no, we're not going to talk about week nine. No, so that actually, actually, you bring everyone up a, shit the bed on week nine. Tom, you know how we're 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 we're, we're a lot alike in a lot of ways. That's uh, one way uh-huh. we're very very different. That shit happens. I latch onto that shit for. Ever. I get so just, mad. It just it just stays in my brain forever. And I can never get rid of it. It's just yep. there for all coming time. Yep. It's just, just randomly for no reason. I'll smell something on the air or see a leaf turn in the street. And then it'll just hit me. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm such a piece of shit. God almighty. <laughs> what the hell is wrong Eric, with me? <laughs> Eric, for the sake of time, what's your second one? <laughs> Warcraft. 
Oh, Warcraft. Warcraft. I knew you, I knew one of you was going to pick that. Yep. Yeah. So did well, I. I went ahead and jumped. I jumped the gun. Yeah. 2016. Uh, speaking of weird endings and all that, uh, it tomato meter was 28%. It was not a good movie. I'm sorry. Uh, the audience score was 76% though. So it was a difference of 48%. Surprisingly. Um, I wonder though, you, we mentioned, uh, the difference between the, the kind of the style of movies and the ending and the expectations and game of Thrones was a slightly different thing. I'm wondering if the medium in which it's told plays a role in the expectations. What I mean is Warcraft would have been better had it been a like a 10 episode miniseries. 100%, it was some, yes. <laughs> something on like Netflix or whatever have you where they had time because there's so much travel the, and the exposition is so choppy and really super rough and the their emotions are just kind of oh right out there in your face and like they, they don't you don't get time to really get invested in who these people are in this world of Azeroth so it's like an introduction to the world except it doesn't tell you anything about the world or the stakes or really who <laughs> you kind of have to already know about it in which case you didn't need to see it <laughs> you just kind of wanted to. Um, yeah, I played I, the video game, so I know the story. Like, sure. Let's get no, along. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I've seen it multiple times because the orcs look fantastic. They look so good. Uh, they're, that's the best representation of orcs I've seen. Uh, and also Ben Foster as Medivh was just a revelation. He was really good. Um, you know, I thought Travis Lamel did as well as he could do. But again, they sort of position him where it's like you have to you have to hate the wizards, but they doesn't. They never explain why. You have to know the backstory, the lore of the world. You have to understand all that and have played the games, maybe read any of the books and stuff in order to understand why that is what it is. They don't have time in that format. So if they had broke, taken that 10 episode thing like we're talking about, I think that would have been fantastic. Uh, I don't know if it was possible or not, but I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. But then again, I'm a fan of the world of Warcraft. So. <laughs> this is the end of the world of Warcraft. When, you, when things get down, you don't give up on the world of Warcraft. <laughs> the Sword of a Thousand Truths. <laughs> Still one of my favorite South Park episodes of all time, and I haven't. I, I've never played World of Warcraft. I it's just. So, I, I think that movie. It is episode so is accurate. Yeah. yeah, it's the highest rated episode of South. He's Park like, "What's history. your charisma? All right, go ahead and shift that over to this." Or he, Kenny's going to need the extra. XP I will use intimidating yeah, shout. Intimidating shout. <laughs> it's no. so stupid. Uh, I don't know what all that means. Christ. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yay. I like when they celebrate, like, yay. All right. <laughs> Just laying in the chair. But interesting. Uh, yeah. You know, um, I never saw Warcraft, but I've heard kind of the same sentiment from my friends who play it. They're like, you know, I actually really liked it. And um, it got kind of a bad rap. And I think there was a director's cut out there somewhere that uh, could have maybe made more sense with it. But, you know, studio interference usually ruins those types of movies and this movie was made for the fans you know it was to make yeah. money obviously but it was still made for the fans there was fan service to it and i get that um again if if you really want to do fan service do service to the story uh because we've already invested so much of our our energy in that setting in that world in these characters you're not inventing you're not reinventing the wheel here and if you try you're gonna piss us off so if you're going into an established world setting and trying to bring that to the screen. Um, consider which screen you want to bring it to. I, that should be, that should have been a Netflix series. It should not have been a movie. Yeah. As somebody who has sadly played, I believe at one point I, you can put, put in a, a command that tells you how much played time you have on an account. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a sad number because I know mine, even though I shared an account with my nephew was a year or more of just in-game time. Not, Jesus not I had Christ an account man. for that long. It's no. in-game time. I and, have no idea what mine was. And they they probably only had about less than 1% of the world of Warcraft in that movie. And somehow it was still too much for one movie. Like they had too much in one movie, even though it was a tiny little fraction of the entire game, which seems weird. <laughs> like no. it's a, it's a, an expansive setting uh, setting with a wild, like it's too, it's too big for a movie to be told. Well, unless you're telling one very small 
thing, and then even then the exposition is just going to ruin it anyway. So, uh, well, yeah, it it could be like a ten episode show, and it could go on for like a hundred seasons, and still probably not get to fifty percent of the story. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. No, no, no. Uh, I don't know. Exposition is that's that's a that's a that's a, that's a tough needle to thread sometimes. Zach, what do you think? What about uh, what's your next one? Yeah, it totally is. So in my one, uh, I mean, there is a decent amount of exposition, but it's more uh, drawn out throughout the film because this is one of those movies that you watch it and it definitely got a weird rap to start with. So I understand the the uh, Rotten Tomatoes score of 51 percent. And this is a horror film. So horror films are divisive to begin with. But I'm talking about Saw. Saw got 51 percent. Uh, it has since spawned about eight sequels, I think, um, or eight films total. I absolutely love the Saw franchise and and the idea behind it is a uh, demonic, I don't want to say demonic or just a gruesome home alone, basically like what if Kevin McAllister was Jigsaw? That's a theory that's out there, but uh, seeing these Rube Goldberg uh, machines of death, basically, and this um, psychological killer that is Jigsaw who presents these real philosophical things of what do you value your life as and is your life worth this or have you made the bad choices? I think Saw 1 through 3 do a really good job of tackling those and then they progressively get worse just because it's like, hey, how gruesome can we get with the killings? Um, but the first few Saws are ab- absolutely brilliant and I really enjoy the first one. That twist at the end was was pretty bonkers and I remember Oof. seeing it in, in uh, theaters and was like, what? So um, I can't believe it, it has a 51%. The audience score is 84%, which is, you know, obviously these critics don't know shit. So um, yeah, horror films are hard. <laughs> horror films are definitely hard, but um, I don't think that, I think that if you're a critic and you're rating a horror film, you need to be a horror fan because it is not fair for someone to, come there and say, this is just shallow and pedantic, you know, that sort of shit. Yeah. So. And sometimes that's what the fans are looking for. And that's what that was, might've been the stated goal with the movie. Look at house of a thousand corpses. Like how deep is that? You know, but it, it, fans love that movie. They quote it all the time and they talk about it all the time. And they talk about horror movies. So that's a, very, yeah, that's a really good point you bring up. That's a very specific, uh, genre situation. You need to be, uh, a, a, a critic of that genre to speak on that genre. Um, or just have an open mind in general. I mean, it's it's you, you, a lot of a lot of people really love the dramas, and this is what bugs me about the Academy Awards is like if it's a period piece, it's probably going to win. It's a horror film. Well, I, I I cannot wait until the day that it happens. But I mean, for the most part, a horror film is going to have a very very hard time of uh, being nominated for an Oscar and winning an Oscar. And mm-hmm. take that for what it's worth. It's just that unfortunately there are very simple minded people out there who only watch Oscar nominated films. And there are so many amazing horror films out there that people should watch that just will blow you away. And Saw is definitely kind of one of those ones. I mean, James Wan, man, look at him. He's he's he did Aquaman of all things. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <sighs> OK, well, let's, uh, let's speed this along. I think, uh, Tom, what's a uh, round three for you? Well, my next one is the movie Equilibrium, starring Christian Bale and, and and Sean Bean for a short little period. And then surprisingly, he dies. He dies. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. I didn't oh, see it coming. Sean Bean. <laughs> oh, he is the Seanest so, of all the beans. I don't so, know if that didn't make any sense. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Equilibrium <laughs> is, is, is your, basically your what 1984 big brother we don't like books so fahrenheit 451 sort of we don't like all that sort of stuff and we take pills to get rid of our emotions Mm -hmm. and sean bean happens to you know not be on that side and he's reading a book and he gets shot by christian bale it's really poetic um and then christian bale starts to kind of go down that same road and it was Kind of the Matrix before the Matrix. Also, I remember that was on the box when I bought it. The Matrix yeah. before the Matrix, because because <laughs> wow. they because they did like the gun fu stuff and all that sort of thing, and they did crazy like kung fu with guns sort of action scenes. Um, yeah, and it's just your normal. Again, this is just a normal arc of oh, he's part of the uh, the one side, and then he shifts to the other side, and then oh, he takes down the system. But I love this movie. Like, it's a great movie. I don't understand. It's got a 41%. That is real, real low for what I thought was a very good movie. I was actually really surprised by 
the fact that it was even on here because I was researching and I, I scrolled down and I was like, wait a second, that was a good movie. Like this was mm. the only one on my list where I was surprised it was below on the Rotten Tomatoes scale. And it just, I, I don't know why. And my brain can't comprehend it. So I'll interject and, and also agree with you, Tom. I have Equilibrium on my list as well. Yes. And I kind of figured you would have it. Uh, Monaco and I actually saw this movie, I think, in theaters, and we both loved it. Or maybe it was just one of those movies we saw on DVD and just absolutely loved it. Um, Monaco, for a stupid uh, shit that he does and says all the time, he, well, yeah. he, he is okay on movie selections, and um, he does have one thing going for him. But um, <laughs> we, uh, we but both love it. only one thing. Yeah. We both love this movie and actually what it, t- it takes from. So you, you were talking about an Orwellian dystopia and it's definitely what it, it's like. But what it uh, borrows directly from is Fahrenheit 451, uh, where, you know, y- the world has outlawed essentially feeling. So we are all forced to take pills um, and they ban art, they ban music, they ban emotion. And so the clerics who basically that's what you know, they're, they're like the police, the thought police, and they, they take you down. Um, that's what uh, Christian Bale is, but he starts turning, you know, cause he, he meets, um, Emily, whatever her name is. And, uh, Emily Watson, and she's just very poignant and beautiful and she understands life. And he's like, Whoa, what if I just stop taking these pills? So it gets pretty crazy. The fight scenes are really awesome. Um, yeah, you know, it's 2002 effects, but it is, it is after the matrix. It came out three years after the matrix, but, uh, it's still a very fun sci-fi film with like pretty low stakes for the most part. So just go in and watch it. I can't believe it's a 41. It should be a lot higher. Yeah, it's crazy. It's insane. So that's I, I figured you would put that on there. That's funny. Yeah. I, I, I still left it. I was going to change it because I'm like, I bet Tom's going to do this one. But no, I'm glad I like e- Equilibrium. Yeah, we're both right. <laughs> exactly. Eric, what's your third one? OK, well, uh, I'm going to go with when I was doing my uh, tomato meter audience score, checking out the difference. This was the biggest gap I could find. With an audience score of 85%, but a tomato meter of only 16%. Good lord. Grandma's Boy. Oh, oh yeah. That's a great love movie. love Grandma's Boy. Grandma's Boy is so, like, <laughs> it was just not needed at all, but it's just a great movie. It's a, a guy in his 40s. This is like all of, uh, it's an Adam Sandler movie that didn't have Adam Sandler in it. Yep. Like, that's, that's pretty much what we're talking about here. It was a guy that was in his 40s who was a video game tester for a living. He, you know, was a big stoner. Didn't do, he didn't have a whole lot going on in his life, but, uh, you know, hilarity ensues. He's got his boss who, or sort of boss who, uh, he identifies as a robot. That's like, he, you know, we talk (laughs) nowadays, like identity is so important. I say 2006, like it wasn't, you know, 15 years ago. Uh, (laughs) Identity was important then too, of course, but I don't know, maybe it's more prevalent now, but, uh, he, he identifies as a robot, like adios turd nuggets. Like, talking <laughs> like that. I'm thinking about getting metal legs. It's a risky operation, but it'll be <laughs> worth it. Like, you know, it's just, it, it's a farcical sort of ridiculous movie of, of uh, game design and office politics, a lot of office politics and, and, and ageism, and ageism, a lot of ageism <laughs> problems. Cause he's an older guy who's a, in a, in a career that is st- stereotypically really young dudes but he fits right in because he's just uh he's a bit uh you know he's that's where he is in his life um a lot of drug use a lot of partying and um i, I just it was just a, a what was the weed dealer's name dante uh, dante 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 <laughs> he's a lion it's just dumb because there's that guy that's like hey how's it going man hey what's up <laughs> Oh, pretty cool, dude. You got a lion. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish I could explain more and more and more about like the the, the deep plot structure of the movie, but and it's no. there, it's, it's there. there. It's right. just not important to the to how you feel after having watched the movie. That's what's important. It's a it, it's a Sandler movie without Sandler. I enjoy the hell out of it. Uh, Tom, I know you did as well. Oh, yeah, I love Grandma's Boy. And I love being able to just look at who's in the cast and be like, I know exactly what type of movie this is going to be. Oh, 100%. And and it living up to it all. Like, I enjoy all those. The people who are usually side characters in a Adam Sandler movie finally get to shine. I don't know the main actor's name, but he's great. I wish he would star in more movies. Like, I know he's probably like, 
pushing on 60 now because it's been like 15 years wow. but yeah. uh, alan covert alan, Co- alan Co- Co- yeah. is his name he, yeah. he would have been great because he's always just a guy in adam sandler's movies who's just kind of there yeah doris and roberts was in it uh like for, overlay, forever you, know. you just think those guys only have like the only reason they're in those movies is they're friend with adam sandler and you never see them in anything else but then you see that they can really shine and be good <laughs> on their own. Absolutely. Yeah. That's part of why I like it. Jonah, too. Yeah. Jonah Hill's in that movie too. Yep. Yes, he is very, briefly. a very big Jonah Hill. Yeah. 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 yeah a very young Jonah Hill. This was early, yeah. way early on in his career. Mm-hmm. I don't know yeah, if he had done, I don't bad. know. I don't know if he had done anything else prior. No. Cause I think he was in 40 year old virgin after that too. He had a very bit role in that, but yeah, that's he, pretty much when he broke out. Yeah. Where he's in the eBay well, shop. Accepted was one of his bigger roles too. He did that before Superbad, but he was in Accepted. He was like the one that was like, "Ask me about my wiener and whatnot." But <laughs> okay. I agree, Grimm's Boys, another one for lack of a better example, Monaco. Him and I used to watch that all the time, and I actually really like that movie. And I have a story about Eric Shane for that. I remember when we were working at security, and Eric said he wanted to be a video game tester, so that's what he's going to school for, and it was because of Grandma's Boy. And I was like, right on, Eric, you do you forget about it. Yeah, yeah, I completely changed my mind on it, but it never really. Yeah. Not, I was going to say, not, you're still doing this right now, right? Well, OK, so I, I kind of half changed my mind about it. Um, let's see. Uh, it, 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 it's I could like, look, I'm going for an English degree. Now. I could I could write for video games. I went to ITT Tech and got my money stolen. That's just, <laughs> that is, that is, that is the worst mistake I ever made. Um, I, I learned that uh, you don't need a degree to do art <laughs> at all. Uh, but it is with video game design and that sort of thing. Um, just different elements to it. There are people who do the coding and there are people who do the 3d modeling and the, and the art. And that was really what the the degree and the, the the class pathway was geared towards. And I'm I'm not a guy who was ever a drawer. I didn't sketch. Mm-hmm. I didn't doodle. I'm not an artist in that fashion. Um, I do write though. I can write my ass off. I'm really good at it. I like the. I could create story and dialogue, and I could you know pitch you a game that way. But that that would be the the overall vision of a game and the levels and the story and plot and structure and that and themes and and the, and the narration and narrative time and the tenses and all that stuff. That's what I can do. The actual coding of it, I, I could do it, but not very well. 3D modeling, I, I, I haven't done that in years. So, yeah, no, I totally shifted gears at a certain point. But, yeah, Grandma's Boy had an effect on me. I'm just like, yeah, people do this for a living. Why the hell not? And it was at that point in my life where, you know, we're working at the casino make, for making no money, none. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like... You know, the whole world saying, well, you got to go to school. You got to do something. You got to do something. You got to do something. Um, it's interesting. I was having this conversation uh, with a guy at work today talking about uh, everybody's out there talking about how it's like a work, you know, workers aren't going to work and they're being lazy or whatever have you. Dude, for 20 some odd years, our entire working life, it's been like this. Getting a job, you had to have, they wanted you to have a four year degree. They wanted you to have five years working experience. They wanted you to come work for free for six months on an internship. And then maybe, just maybe, if they liked you, they'd pay you just above minimum wage <laughs> for the, forever with like basically no benefits. And, and that's what it's like been trying to get a job for the last 20 years when you're first starting out. So now that people are actually have something to, you know, help them out a little bit, they're saying, double freedom fingers fuck you i'm not gonna go do that <laughs> go to hell oh why is everybody being so lazy blow me anyway so we're this is 2006 2007 this is at that point in time right in the middle of this that i'm like i gotta do something i gotta take a shot in the dark here and so that's what i tried swinging a miss but whatever I'll keep on swinging so that's my charming Swing story away <laughs> that's my charming story <laughs> right on man yeah so Grandma's we, uh, boy. Shall we jump back to Tom because uh, we both had to go Graham? Okay. So this one is actually what made me think of suggesting this as this week's thing. And it is the only one on my list that actually is, to most people, it's going to be a bad movie. <laughs> um, the Chronicles of Riddick. Oh, interesting so choice. Cr- the cro- Chronicles of Riddick, I don't know why it has such a place in my heart, but for some reason I really enjoy 
Vin Diesel only in these movies. For the most part, I am actually not a very big Vin Diesel fan. I'm not a big fan of the Fast and the Furious movies. He's fine as Groot. He says one word, like, cool, awesome. But for the most part, I'm not a big Vin Diesel fan. Okay. But him as Riddick, for some reason, I just love the entire series, not just this one movie. I love the first one, the second one, and the third one. There are three Riddick movies, which seems baffling because there's only one that has a positive rating, which would have been on this list. Pitch Black is a much better movie, but it has a 60%. It is just barely above the rotten rating, which is, it's a a better movie because this one has a lot more fantasy. Like, oh, you find out Riddick's like part of a a random alien race, the Furians, and, and there's like space necromancers and just things that are cool to me. Like there's an undead guy who can like go between worlds or something. And it causes him to have like a shadow person thing. I don't know, but I love the Riddick movies and I know they're not good, but for some reason they just get me. You don't have to explain it. You're not, you're not obliged to explain (laughs) nothing. No, you, you need to explain it. (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I tried doing that for our podcast and the audio quality was bad and we just decided to scrap it because it just I I didn't really like it. I, I liked it when I was younger and then I rewatched it. And I'm like, man, this is not a good movie. <laughs> so I, it's, it's yeah, rotten I, for a reason. I watched it a couple days ago and that's what made me suggest this to you guys. And I loved it just as much as I did before. Like it is still good on the 10th time I've probably seen the movie. Ah. <sighs> don't know i just don't know i don't know how to explain it well i'm glad you really like it i don't have any feelings <laughs> on it. i didn't watch it because i don't care you uh, I, I would actually suggest don't watch it because you probably won't like it <laughs> it's it's not very good i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> i mean you like what you like that's okay I that's know, okay sometimes you feel bad about what you like and this is one of them I, yeah i i know i know exactly what you feel but uh, I don't feel bad about liking this next one. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Another fairly large difference between audience score, but the audience score is far too low. Hook from 1991. Yeah. Hook. Robin Williams is Peter Pan. How do you have a problem with this? Dustin Hoffman is Captain Hook. How, how could you possibly? Rufio. How could you? There's so many quotable aspects of this movie that are so fun. It's from 1991. The, the idea is Peter Pan eventually decided to leave Neverland and decided to grow up and he has a family and Maggie Smith is uh, the grandmother and she was Wendy, right? And she was, she became, she's really, really old in 1991, 30 years ago, Maggie Smith's still around. <laughs> she, she is just the best. Um, yeah. She was, uh, she was Wendy all grown up and a grandmother and Peter had uh, married her daughter and uh you know he ends up like his kids get kidnapped by hook and he's got to rediscover who he was and who he really is deep down and fly to neverland and he's like this he's like art these kids are skating all around him and doing these (laughs) crazy trapeze things he's like thinking of like the insurance numbers rolling through his head the whole time as you know we're grown men now now we completely understand and connect with that we get that now but at the time you know uh, it was such a fun movie and heartwarming and heartbreaking and uh, touching. It, it hits you on so many emotional levels. Uh, his relationship with his son. Um, it was a deep move. I can't believe the tomato meter is only 29%. What did they not like about hook? I don't know. Tell me, Zach, you, you tell me. Um, I mean, it's just a different Peter Pan's been, uh, I mean, maybe they're panned out basically. Uh, you know what? It, it's one of those things that Peter Pan has been, you know, just done and done and done and done, but it is really hard to argue, you know, Dustin Hoffman, Julia Roberts, um, Bob Hoskins yeah. is in it. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Yes. Glenn Close has a, has a little small cameo that no one ever really knows. And yeah, Robin Williams is incredible. He was everyone's grandpa, basically everyone's uncle. He was Dustin he, Hoffman's hook is my yeah. captain hook from, from, from now on. That's yeah, captain. He, hook. He's incredible. I mean, you have, you have an Academy award winning cast there and it's, um, it's a good movie. Yeah. Maggie Smith, same thing. It's a good movie just about, remembering that life is is too short to be so sucked into your work and 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 busy with other other things that sometimes you need to just uh, 
real like reel it back in and, and stop and look for a second remember your childhood remember that his kids are kids and that he's missing the most important moments in his life just like jingle all the way they're, they're pretty synonymous so <laughs> but um but yeah hook is, hook is great i haven't seen hook in a really long time but i remember watching watching it and loving it i hated the scorpion scene when they dropped the scorpion in oh the, yeah in the thing yeah always oh, hated yeah. that for some yeah. reason but uh it's it's mm-hmm. it's a good movie yeah it's a very good movie okay well i'm glad you agree oh yeah good choice Oh, thank yeah. you so much. I'm glad you agree. I was I was going to be really bummed out if you guys were, you were just like, oh, man, no, it's actually a really uh, bad movie. And here's all the reasons. I'm actually I'm more shocked that it doesn't have like a 90 percent. Like I, it's one of those things where it's like I would have thought going into looking at it that it would have somewhere in the mid 90s. Like it's because that's like the Peter Pan. That's like the best Peter Pan. I can't even think of a better Peter Pan. The Disney Peter Pan is pretty good. Hmm. I guess so. it's pretty good. <laughs> you know what else is pretty good? My number four pick, and that oh, is a, a film that you guys have never seen. It's, it's it's an indie film, and I guarantee you've never seen it, but it stars two Academy Award-winning actors. That's not accurate, but uh, John C. Riley and Will Ferrell, and uh, the plot is that they their parents get married. They are both 40-year-old um, single guys living at home, and it is Step Brothers. Step Brothers, <laughs> surprisingly, has a 55% on Rotten Tomatoes. Can you believe that? 55% on Rotten Tomatoes. Apparently some people really didn't like it and they didn't think it was funny. I totally get it. I can I can understand why some people wouldn't like Will Ferrell's humor. I absolutely think he's hilarious and Step Brothers is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. I quote it almost every day. Um, I think that there's a situation in anybody's daily life where you can quote it and it's just really good. So it blows me away that it's only 55% on Rotten Tomatoes. What about you guys? Step Brothers, what do you think? It's a, it's a classic. Absolutely. Worst movie ever. No, it's a great movie. (laughs) How do you want to roll you into a ball and shove you in my vagina? (laughs) Stay golden, pony boy. (laughs) He's like, Uh, I thought, today I heard my grown son scream rape. I thought I was going to get raped. He looked at me in the eyes and said, let's do this. (laughs) (laughs) I quote, oh man, Justin and I on the Don't Be Crazy podcast, we quote Step Brothers all the time. It's so great. I never ask you, do you like guacamole? (laughs) Oh, it's great. I love Step Brothers. I, yeah. I can't believe it's it's a 55%. Well, just like you, I can understand why people wouldn't like it. Like, just the humor of it, you really have to like Will Ferrell because it's his whole, like, that's his whole thing. Like, is just that character is Will Ferrell. And if you don't like Will Ferrell, you're not going to like Step Brothers at all. No. John C. Riley, you're going to like him no matter what he's in. He's great. I've never seen a bad John C. Riley movie. Have you guys? Uh, so they were both really bad in, in Holmes and Watson. They tried to recapture the stepbrother stuff, oh, and that movie yeah. is terrible. Yeah, I never watched that because because uh, I, I realized that early on that this is not yeah. going to catch fire. And one of my favorite John C. Riley performances is actually in Boogie Nights. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So that one's uh, that one's really hard hard to beat. But um, yeah, man, stepbrothers. It's a doozy. Brothers. Thomas, what's your fifth and final one? <laughs> My fifth and final one. I feel like no one's ever seen this movie because I How comes don't rock know. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's seen that movie in their don't dreams. Don't you do it. Don't you do it. <laughs> no. 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 My last one is Kung Pao Enter the Fist. Oh, yeah. Which is a parody kung fu movie, but it uses real uh, a real kung fu movie food footage. <laughs> From like, I think it's like 1984 or something like that. And it, it, so, um, what, uh, what, I forgot who the guy is. Is it Steve Odenkirk or Steve Oden? Something. Bob, Bob Odenkirk. Bob, no, no, it's not Bob Odenkirk. It's, it's a different, I think it's Steve. <laughs> um, but he made the movie and he's the, the star of it. And he plays a character who in the beginning is a little baby. And there's this uh, evil guy who's coming to kill him because he has the mark, the mark of the chosen one. And the mark of the chosen one is is on his tongue. And it's a little like face (laughs) that kind of is its own thing. I don't know. It's weird. But it's just a a whole thing about just him looking to defeat the 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 evil guy 
and, you know, normal kung fu failures, but it's a parody. So it's a ridiculous. There, the, my favorite scene in is he's going up, there's a whole army across the field from him. And they keep doing zoom ins of faces over and over again and getting closer to everyone's faces. And then there's a zoom in of his nipple. <laughs> and, 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 and I know every time it's coming. And for some reason, I just break out into open laughter by myself oh man just over the close-up of a nipple and it's just that kind of humor and i understand why it has a 13 percent. it is not the humor for most people but it gets me every time and it is a great movie and it it's it's a movie that's mostly another movie because it's all footage from this random japanese uh kung fu movie where he kind of splices himself into it <laughs> and it's just it's just so good, guys. Have you seen it? No. I've seen parts of it. I, I don't really care <laughs> care to watch the rest of it because it's pretty that, bad. That's that sounds about right. It's such a it's such a good comedy. Oh wow. I'm gonna watch it tonight. It's gonna be we, so good. We have different definitions of the word good. <laughs> I know we do, but that zooming of the nipple makes the whole movie. <laughs> like I'm la- I'm laughing thinking about it. It's just such a good scene. Well, you know what? I mean, we, you know, we joke, but honestly, that's, that's not nothing. I mean, if you, if you, if you're laughing this hard about that dumb of a thing, then that movie had an impact and nobody, Uh, nobody gets to tell you that they're wrong about that. Exactly. You laugh for your own reasons. uh, Dig it. Okay, man. Eric, is your last one better than Kung Pao Enter the Fist? Uh, yeah, I'm going to pick one that had uh, a lot, uh, another one of those really big difference one. Tomato meter only 28%, but audience score 91% for a difference of 63. Boondock Saints. Boondock Saints. Oof. I don't know. Yeah, okay. Fight me. Now, <laughs> Boondock Saints are, I, I, it's it's kind of fun. It's, uh, it's, sort, it's sort of a, I'm, I don't usually give in to, um, uh, any sort of metaphysical gunplay when it comes to movies. This is like sort of a, a shoot 'em up bang bang for no good reason kind of thing. Uh, but this particular movie, I don't know what it was. It just sort of reached it. Maybe it's because it's, it's two Boston Irish brothers who are, are, who are just sucked into this world of crime completely out of the clear blue sky. They're drinking in a bar with a bunch of Irish neighbors on, you know, St. Patty's day. And these guys are, they're way more talented and, you know, more intelligent than their jobs would indicate, you know? Uh, and then just, but they get into dumb scraps for no reason. And they get into a fight with this Russian mobster and they uh, almost die the next day uh, when they come back to the apartment and find them or apartment. Uh, these guys are living in squalor and they seem to be kind of touched by God. Really. They're sort of commanded by God to punish the wicked uh, those who it's sort of like a Dexter feel where like, you know, the people who slip through the cracks of the law, but except these guys are commanded by God to do so. So th- it's just farcical trying to figure out, well, how are they going to do it? Who, who makes the decision to kill who? And uh, Rocco, another character in there is just, uh, he kind of helps him out. It's just a really funny, it's funny and also tragic and horrible and bloody and inspiring. And it, it's, it's, it's a lot of things I look for in a movie. I just didn't know what I was looking for it when I found it. Uh, it was our old, uh, our old colleague, Jake Yarton, who told me about it, actually. Uh, Boondock Saints 2 was super bad. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> the first one, I, I really enjoyed uh, immensely. So, Boondock Saints. I do not like the Boondock Saints. Oh, I think boy. it is a very overrated movie. I do not think it is very good. It is poorly directed. Um, Mike Flanagan? No, not Mike Flanagan. What am I saying? Uh, something. I, I can't remember his name because he's just an awful director. But I, I did not like the movie. I thought it was uh, trying to be way too much style, style over substance. There was The only thing I liked about it was how they would have... Willem uh, Defoe's character investigate a scene and then there'd be a flashback. I thought that was kind of a neat trick. Uh, otherwise, it it sucked. Sean Patrick Flannery is great. And so was um, Norman Reedus. I mean, I like both of them, but I just could not get behind that movie every time I watch it. And I watch it three times and I'm like, this movie sucks. It's um, I, I think it just is one of those things that if I tell that to somebody, they're having a reaction like Eric's having like, what are you talking about? Like my friend, 
he he was I told him that he was like yelling at me. I'm like, calm down. Yeah, I don't like the movie. <laughs> it's it's OK to not like the movie. You don't you don't need to yell. <laughs> so for me, I totally understand why you like it, Eric, for everything that you just said. That was probably one of the more poignant uh, descriptions of what I've heard of it. And it makes more sense in that in that light. For me, though, I just didn't get any of that when I watched it. So, yeah. <laughs> Zach, I'm really glad that you went in that direction because now I'm going to go right in the middle where I was like, hmm, this is all right. It's a movie. Uh, I've said that many times. It's a movie. Like, uh, yeah, it's like I, th- this is something like that it, I have now experienced. I've watched it and it was fine. And I don't know if I've, I don't know if I've ever watched it again, but it wasn't like I wasn't angry afterwards. I wasn't like, ah, that was a waste of my time, but it was a movie. And I, I there seems to be people who are like boondock saints. That's the movie of all movies. Like eh, it's a movie. You're right. It's a movie. <laughs> you got me there <laughs> and it's fine, but I've never, it. I've never understood the crazy like love for boondock saints. The, this is the greatest movie of all time sort of thing. Yeah. I understand exactly same, what you're saying. Same there. thing. I think some people are like, Oh, it's my favorite movie ever. And I'm like, that's, weird that's your favorite movie <laughs> yeah I'm you like, know there's, there's other movies right <laughs> i'm like there are so many better movies out there and i just and and if my example when i when we, we did it for a podcast on the don't be crazy podcast and i give it the example there's this guy in high school who was i'll refrain from using his name but he was the typical you know high school jock uh chris farley style bully like he would just party and stuff and thought he's the coolest guy ever and he 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 used that as a popular choice because it was the cool thing to do is oh yeah boondock saints is my favorite and coors light is my favorite beer you know and i'm Ugh. like all right it's like i, I get it you're so cool so for me, I'm like, is this fucking high? But um, yeah, I mean, you know what? For Eric is not that guy in any stretch of the imagination. And I, <laughs> I know plenty of people that say the same thing that he did about this film. And I will never tell them they're wrong. I just do not like the movie. And and Eric hates Coors Light, right? I like gross. I mean, it's kind of gross. Exactly. Like, yeah. Why would you drink uh, that when there's just like it, so many better beers out there? Somehow, when I hang out with Corey and Monaco, I lose respect for them. Somehow, lose more respect for them every time I hang out with them because they drink like pitchers of Coors Light, and it's like, what are you guys doing? I don't think there's anything wrong with Coors Light. I think that's a whole conversation uh, for for another day, though. Um, I I think it has its time and place. Like, absolutely, no, we're going to talk about this for an hour. (laughs) No, I think Coors Light has its time and place. It's, it's, it's. it's, (laughs) If I had a microbrew, I would take that over to Coors Light, but it it definitely has its place. If I'm tailgating, I'd rather have Coors Light because I can drink more them still wouldn't i'm not i mean if i don't have anything else to drink i'd rather drink that than nothing at all but i'm never gonna get drunk on it mike mike and you know our buddy mike and i used to go over to jake's Bjorton's house all the time when we all worked at the casino together we'd go over there and he used to drink pap's blue ribbon like it was just the best thing ever i don't mind mike mike and i would kill like 12 each and like we're already like hung over we're not drunk we're just like hung over and we have to pee real bad. <laughs> and this is when we're like early mid twenties. So that's it's garbage. Beer stays garbage. So uh, this is running kind of long. Uh, Zach, what do you, yeah. uh, I, I knew this episode was going to run a little long. Sorry guys. Sorry <laughs> to the audience. We, we like to keep it at a tight 60, but this is just, we, we knew this one was going to run a little long. So, uh, so for mine, it is a very, very uh, important film that was um, responsible for me during the formative years of my life, and it is Empire Records. It is listed at a 31% on Rotten Tomato for some crazy-ass reason. It's an 83% audience score, but um, it, you know, I'll just read a review real quick. So this is the cr- critics' consensus. Despite a terrific soundtrack and a strong early performance from Renee Zellweger, Empire Records is mostly a silly and predictable teen dramedy, and that is such bullshit. Um, I have the director's cut of it because it's incredible and there's so much more to it. I mean, it's everything that we wanted to be when we were teenagers, you know, that that camaraderie. Um, It's something that just completely absorbs an era that would be a dream job of working at a record store to to listen to music all day, to have awesome coworkers. I mean, we've all had amazing coworkers and and we all could probably talk about the, the the certain places that we've worked at that were our most memorable times of our lives and really kind of pushed us into a, uh, toward the lifestyle we have today where those really important decisions are made. And I think it's just incredible. The soundtrack's amazing, but, um, yeah, it's just such a good film and it really caught fire a long time ago from, from a cult status standpoint. 
every April 8th is Rex Manning Day, baby. You got to remember that. So it's um, it's, it's just an incredible film. And I cannot believe that people uh, are, are dog on it that much in terms of the, the critics. But again, they don't know shit. So have you guys seen uh, Empire <laughs> Records? No, I haven't. <gasps> no, I also haven't. I cannot believe that from both of you guys. 1995 <laughs> I know, I... is when it came out. And it, I feel like it's right up your alley. It's just one of those films that it's not overly dramedy. You know, it, it, it is a comedy, but it's. It's got some good actors that you'd recognize from other films and the soundtrack. Yeah, you got a lot of like there's some candle box in there. There's us. I think Guar. There's some Guar in there. There's some a whole bunch of. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of different stuff. There's I think there's like some Sinead O'Connor. There's some cranberries. There's some ACDC. It's just all over the place and it's so cool. Yeah, I, I cannot believe you guys haven't seen that. That is I know, that's the most surprising I know thing. I know I've seen parts of it, like flipping through channels and stopping, but I have never seen. I don't know what it's about outside of it's in a record store. Wow. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's it's not just a record store. It's a family, Tom. It's like Olive Garden oh. when you're here, you're family. I am family. That's true. <laughs> it's on stars. If you have stars, it is streaming for free on stars. Otherwise, uh, just go buy it because it's amazing. So. Yes, because we do not watch things illegally on the internet at nope. all. Don't Never. do that. That's illegal. That is illegal. <laughs> You'll go to jail. You'll go to hell. You'll go to hell jail. Yeah. Thomas, you want to give us a rundown of the list then? I guess I could do that on Tom's list, me. Uh, we've got Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, Run, Fat Boy, Run, Equilibrium, The Chronicles of Riddick, and Kung Pao, Enter the Fist. Eric has Almost Heroes, Warcraft, Grandma's Boy, Hook, and the Boondock Saints. On Zach's list is Jingle All the Way, the best Christmas movie of all time, uh, Saw, Equilibrium, Step Brothers, and Empire Records. I think this is a pretty good list. This is a really good list, and we just barely scratched the surface. I mean, we didn't talk about like you know heavyweights from 1995. I love that movie so much. <laughs> I know, and it's got like a 29. percent I always it say was so good. I always say we already know each other's names, <laughs> right? So we're going um, to play a game where we learn each other's names. <laughs> uh, Hocus Pocus, 1993. Uh, uh-huh. uh, that movie sucks. <laughs> okay, well. No, uh, yeah, Hocus Pocus really. Yeah, you know, it's like a uh, Halloween classic. I also mm-hmm. like Underworld, Underworld Rise of the Lichens, even mm-hmm. though the whole Underworld thing is whatever. But Rise of the Lichens, was, I like. I, I like. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's a um, lot of out there. That we uh, also, Home Alone is a below sixty percent mm-hmm. on Rotten so is, Tomatoes. So is National Treasure. National Treasure uh, only has like a fifty-four percent or something. That's that's insane. Which is stupid. And, that movie is fun. And guys, I was surprised by this one. Biodome. I love Biodome. 60%. I love Biodome. It's, it's, it's so like a, good. It's Critically like a acclaimed award-winning actor, Polly Shore. Yeah. I it, know. It's got a 6%, I think, on Rotten Tomatoes. You know, Tenacious D is actually in that movie. They have a cameo. Yes, young, they are. young Jack Black and young Kyle Gass. But that's a good movie. I like that. Kylie Minogue uh, is in it. She's a babe, yeah. as always. Wow. So. I didn't even look that up. Pick of Destiny. Yeah. I wonder what that is. Buddy. Hey, buddy. So, yeah. Buddy. I wonder what Pick of Destiny pick of destiny on rotten tomatoes is a 52 percent. how is pick of destiny higher than uh, okay if you don't All like right. i mean if you don't like jack black that would make sense but and, and i get it but i i love jack black and i think pick of destiny is hilarious so okay mm. i agree all right Thomas, take us home. <laughs> All righty. Thank you for tuning in to Top 5 Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Top 5 Pod, uh, Podcast Top 5, at ZachDale60, at TomTop5, and at eShane, where you can give us ideas, tell us we are crazy, or even suggest a topic for future episodes. If you enjoyed today's episode, and we know you must have, please, <laughs> please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. Thank you, and remember, it's okay to be wrong, even though you think you're right. Well, here at last, dear friends, on the shores of the sea, comes the end of our fellowship in Middle-earth. Go in peace. I will not say, do not weep, for not all tears are an evil. Are you trying to say that was a, was that a low-rated movie? No, I just <laughs> wanted to give a great Lord of the Rings quote. It's one of my it. favorite oh, movies okay, of all time. Okay, okay cool. Okay. Just, 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 just right, series. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you right. don't have to justify that to me. Okay. All right, see Bye, you guys. guys. Bye. <laughs>